We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking 2023 projections for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and San Francisco 49ers on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. I will be recording this projections episode solo. And I think that we will cover some interesting teams here in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and from the San Francisco 49ers. If you have not listened to any of our projection series yet, go back, find the episodes. Related to it, uh, if you look for the one that related to Washington, Tennessee, you'll get a high-level overview of what goes into the projection process at Rotoviz, how I put these together, and some more background on our philosophy. Also recorded an episode that talks about the relationship between a team's success on the field and the play volume that it runs, which is a key component of the projection process. Okay, let's start off here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, one of the things that makes this team very challenging this year is the transition from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. We don't know if Todd Bowles and company are going to do some things that are radically different than what they did when they had Tom Brady there. We're not sure if we could see Baker Mayfield return to the type of producer that he was back in the 2019 type of time frame, um, or if we're going to see a Baker Mayfield that comes out, that's pretty flat. Now to his credit, he did provide a little bit of a spark for the Rams in the games that he got into down the stretch last year. Still though, we saw him in 2022 across 12 games pass for just 6.5 yards uh, per attempt on an adjusted basis, I believe, uh, 10 passing touchdowns in 12 games. The year prior to that, in 14 games in Cleveland in 2021, he passed for 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, was at 7.2 yards per attempt. Granted, in 2020, we did see this man pass for 29 yards, 3,823 yards in 17 games. 
Um, and in 2019 had 22 tap passing touchdowns and 2018, 27 passing touchdowns. So from a production standpoint, we have seen a precedent for him in years past where he does get a team to a decent level of passing touchdowns. Why this matters though, is because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to be at the levels that they've been historically would need to have good touchdown volume. There's just no way around it. And if Mayfield and Tampa Bay can't support that, then that really limits what they will be able to achieve. But let's start by looking at play volume, which is the first thing that we do. Interestingly, since 2018, Tampa Bay has been at least 32 plays above league average every year. And actually, in 2022, they were 116 plays above league average, which is actually, uh, you know, pretty impressive, pretty darn impressive. So this year, I would expect to see a pretty significant reduction. I see this team taking a step back. Uh, There's a couple of changes across this team. And as a result of that, as a result of Mayfield coming in, who I think will be largely ineffective, could be wrong there. But I have this team actually coming into a position where the 20 plays behind league average simply because they're not able to sustain drives like they had in the two years uh, prior when we had Tom Brady there or anything that you're going to try to compare them to. And that's not to say that Tom Brady uh, at that point in his career was this, you know, amazing passer clearly he was a little bit different than what we'd seen earlier in his career but I think it's fair to assume that that team with him at the helm was able to get the ball downfield sustain drives at a better rate than it will with Baker Mayfield so that's the assumption we're operating with here if we look at the backfield uh, you have Rashad White Keyshawn Vaughn Sean Tucker given the way I expect things to be split White looks like the only fantasy relevant running back I have him seeing around 55% of the rushing work, and I have him at 9% of the targets. I think that there's room for him to see a higher percentage of the targets, but I don't want to accelerate his projection too much because I think in a baseline scenario, you probably don't want to have things shoot up too radically for white uh, for a number of reasons, but we are going to talk about what things would look like if you do shift some of those numbers. Uh, In terms of efficiency, I do not project him very efficiently. I don't think that you're going to see running backs for Tampa Bay going for four or more yards per carry. So I have white and Vaughn at around 3.8 from a touchdown perspective. Uh, 2% rushing touchdown rate gets Rashad White to around five rushing touchdowns. Do have him decently efficient as a wide receiver, though, uh, adding an extra three touchdowns, 315 receiving yards. When you leave things in that configuration, White comes in at RB22. Granted, I still need to do Atlanta and I still need to do Arizona, but. I don't think you're going to see, well, clearly for two teams, you wouldn't see a big shift in where white falls out there, um, you know, depending on how those projections end up. But let's say that you think 
55% of the rushing shares too low. Well, what would happen even if he got up to 65%? Keeping in mind that the team has 414 rushing attempts. Well, that tweak would move White up to RB16. That, I think, would probably be a little bit aggressive of a maneuver for his rushing share. But I do think it's fair that you could see his target share go up to maybe 14%. Now, this is going to have more of an impact. Uh, that would be our intuition. If we look at what that would do, that would shift him up to a range where he would be the RB10. You'd have four receiving touchdowns, nearly 500 yards receiving, and you have the additional receptions that get factored in. So there is a path to Rashad White finishing as a wide receiver one, but I don't think that that should be our baseline. Still, though, that upside that comes with that, especially because of his ability to get involved as a receiver, is maybe more attractive than some of the other players that you might be looking at drafting somewhere around him uh, in a variety of contests this year. That probably takes us through the backfield. I don't think that there's much that needs to be said about Vaughn or Tucker. Where things get very interesting, though, and we talked about this maybe a month or two ago about Curtis and I, we talked about how with Baker Mayfield stepping in, we were very concerned about Ed, uh, Godwin and Evans being able to even approximate their ADP. It's possible that we're being too hard on Mayfield, like I mentioned earlier, but we have good history on Godwin and Evans in terms of the efficiency that we would see. So I don't think we need to go too far into the expectations there. Last year, Chris Godwin led the team in target share, and he was at 22%. Mike Evans was close behind. He came in with a target share of 20%. You had Russell Gage at 13%. I think that this year we see something similar, so I just basically rolled that forward. You have Godwin at 22%, Evans at 20%, Russell Gage at 14%. Uh, you have the tight ends accounting for approximately 15% of the target share. That leaves 13% going to the wide receiver four and wide receiver five. You could see some of a pickup of that into both Godwin and Evans or some mixture um, that is going more in favor to one of these players. So at the baseline projection, you actually have um, Mike Evans going for a thousand yards uh chris godwin going for 966 despite a difference of 20 receptions if you look at evans he's always high in terms of yards per reception godwin in the last couple of years has been closer to 11 than 14 if you will where we've seen evans always floating around that 14 yards per reception in that configuration where they fall out of my projections is a little bit disappointing from what you would expect for these guys. You have Godwin coming in at wide receiver 26, Evans at wide receiver 32. Therefore, in a basic, most likely scenario, you wouldn't expect either of them to be a solid wide receiver two. In fact, you would expect them to finish as a wide receiver threes. 
But I do think it would be fair to look at what things would bear out as if Godwin got to 26% of targets. We'll give him a 4% increase. If that were to happen, and that does feel possible, you would then have Godwin moving up to wide receiver 16, jumping 10 spots. That would be a very substantial outcome for him and would really kind of shift things to the point where you probably would be a little disappointed if you had been entirely fading Godwin that you missed out that opportunity. Uh, Because if you did have him with the way his ADP is falling, you could end up then with him, a couple of the wide receivers ahead of him, a very solid wide receiver core. Uh, We back that 4% off of Godwin and we assign it to Evans we should see something fairly similar. So we'll set, in this case, Evans in the projection machine to a target share of 24%. And you're going to see Evans finish at wide receiver 19. So actually, uh, a more significant jump up the board for Evans than we saw for guard, for Godwin. And I think that this would have a similar, um, <coughs> excuse me, the impact of that would be similar to what we saw for Godwin. Other places where this projection could go wrong, the team could manage to keep a play volume similar to what we saw in years prior where they're ahead of the curve in terms of play volume. So maybe they could get up to, let's just keep it somewhat conservative, 655 passing attempts. If that happens and we hold our volume assumptions equal... What do we see? In this case, we would see these wide receivers finishing at wide receiver uh, 24 in the case of Godwin, wide receiver 30 in the case of Evans. That does not play as big of a role here as just a sheer jump in target percentage for them. All right. Let's say that we leave it at the 654. That's only 10 plays above league average. And we assume that Baker Mayfield is able to throw more than 16 passing touchdowns. Because in the configuration that I have right now, both of these guys are at five receiving touchdowns. Let's say that you have Godwin jumping up to seven receiving touchdowns. Evans now jumping up to seven receiving touchdowns. And both of these guys are at around 1,000 yards, seven receiving touchdowns. You have Godwin at 96 receptions, Evans at 76 receptions. The impact of this would be Chris Godwin coming in at the wide receiver 20, Mike Evans at wide receiver 26. My takeaway from this is for them to really realize upside, they need to, both either of these guys, or both, however you're looking at it, need to get a significant increase to their target share. This probably isn't going to be something in terms of them realizing upside that comes from a substantial increase in play volume from Baker Mayfield, being able to support more touchdowns in a manner that seems reasonable. It's going to need to come from them consolidating more targets of the team's total targets into their personal pie. So, There is upside for them, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that it's significant enough or happens in enough outcomes that I am changing my position 
on either of these guys. If I can see them fall behind their ADP, I will start sprinkling them into some teams, but they are just not players that I'm going to go after. The reason for this is the percentage of scenarios in which we see them realize their upside uh, doesn't make up for all of those scenarios that we see them not do it because even when they do realize it, I'm not sure that it's that impactful unless you see that 4% target share increase for either one of these players. Now, the team is a little bit different, but a lot of the pieces there aren't that different. Uh, you know, you do have Leonard Fournette leaving. If you look at the RB1 for Tampa Bay last year, you'll see that their targets uh, percentage was at 12%. We have White at 9 Granted, White did see some last year, so you could make a case that this shifts some targets toward them. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that this is or the arguments for uh, projecting them more strongly or for thinking about them more strongly uh, have reached a level for me that's compelling. All right, that's Tampa Bay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's now turn our attention toward the San Francisco 49ers. One of the more interesting teams heading into 2023 because there are a lot of knowns, but at the same time, a lot of unknowns in that it looks like Brock Purdy will be under center. There are still some questions about his availability at the beginning of the season. Can he carry forward what he was able to do last year? Can Christian McCaffrey uh, explode in a full season in San Francisco in that Kyle Shanahan system? And then what happens in terms of the target share split between Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel. If you have that full season of Christian McCaffrey, should be one of the more fun teams to watch this year. They finished last year 
13 and 4. I think that you would expect a similar outcome this year. From a team level perspective, San Francisco, despite being one of the better teams on a number of years from 2018 to 2022, has been at league average or below every year since 2018. Last year, they were right on point with league average at 1,059 plays. I actually have them coming in 28 plays ahead of league average this year. I think that's a fair assumption to build in for a team as strong as San Francisco. Uh, you know, even if they miss it, when you break this down uh, with a 50-50 split, it's only an extra 14 plays rushing, an extra 14 plays passing. Doesn't radically shift things uh, too much. Now, I assume that Purdy is going to be the starter for the full length of the season in this projection. McCaffrey gets 58% of the rushing work, 16% of the targets. Uh, Eli Mitchell, Tyrion Davis-Price, rest of the running backs on here do not see enough work to be consequential uh, for fantasy purposes. McCaffrey, uh, 3% rushing touchdown rate, 4.3 yards per carry, 85% catch rate, 8 yards per reception, 5% receiving touchdown rate. Uh, nothing too crazy for what we've seen McCaffrey be able to achieve. That gets him to a line of 1,346 rushing yards, 9 rushing touchdowns, 74 receptions, almost 600 receiving yards, and 4 receiving touchdowns, making him, in my baseline projections, by and large, the RB1. Could I see him finishing much lower in either of the rushings or target shares? Probably not. Um, if you shift any of the efficiency metrics downward for him here, it's not going to change your view of him as the RB1. Very honestly, I think that there's upside in here. I think you could see him get a rush share of 65%, which would separate him a little bit more from the rest of the pack. But I also think that you could see him getting up to a target share of 19%, which if we do that, really distances himself from the rest of the running backs, giving him a spread of almost 65 points. So there's still some upside there for McCaffrey uh, in comparison to that baseline projection. I should say I still have to do Bijan Robinson, but it's hard for me to think that he could get uh, to a point total that's going to move McCaffrey out of that RB1 spot. So George Kittle, I have at just 18% target share. And in 2022... He was at 20%. So you see a decrease of two. Debo Samuel, I have with a target share of 22%. Last year, he was at 25%. Brandon Ayuk, I have with a target share of 21%. Last year, he was at 23%. A couple of things going on here. You have the full year of Christian McCaffrey. I also think that you could see some of the younger wide receivers get a little bit more involved in this season. Uh, but still, when you are dividing targets across three players that primarily catch passes and then a running back like McCaffrey who gets up into the range for a lot of teams, wide receiver two, there's just not that many 
percentage points to move around. Sure, any of those guys could maybe go up to 3%, but from a baseline perspective, this is kind of what makes sense to me. Under that configuration, George Kittle is the tight end five, kind of in that zone with TJ Hawkinson. Um, I actually should note here, though, because I haven't done Atlanta, uh, you actually this year would have George Kittle right now at tight end four in a tier with Hawkinson. Uh, and I guess Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard might be in that tier. For the wide receivers, though, you see Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both finishing in wide receiver three territory, given a 7% disparity in catch rate in the favor of Ayuk. You actually have him coming in three spots higher at wide receiver 30. So let's just play around with this. And I'll say also that you have 26 passing touchdowns for Brock Purdy. That feels fairly appropriate. If we were to move Debo Samuel up, let's do the same exercise here. We take him from a 22% target share to a 24% target share. One thing to note, I do have him getting 22 rushes, adding in a touchdown and around 100 yards as a rusher, because I do think it's fair to assume that we see Debo get some work out of that running back role this year. So sorry, I'd actually have to move him up to 26%. If he saw a 4% increase in target share, Debo could make a pretty sizable jump and he would move from wide receiver 33 to wide receiver 22. And if we do the same exercise here with Ayuk, let me drop Debo back down. This would get Ayuk to a 25% target share. If we do that, you're going to see a fairly similar movement uh, for Ayuk and in our wide receiver rankings, <clears throat> excuse me, he would become wide receiver 16. So it's actually a more significant bump. And the reason for this, as I mentioned earlier, is that disparity in catch rate, uh, that uh, would allow him to get to seven receiving touchdowns, almost 1200 yards as a receiver and 91 receptions. So, I actually would say that Ayuk this year has more upside than Samuel in a vacuum in that unless you start giving a major jump to Samuel in terms of work as a rusher, which you would have to imagine now with CMC there is probably fairly limited, uh, you can come up with an easier path to Ayuk making a big jump in his ranking. Now, George Kittle, the real question there is can we see him get enough appreciation that he starts to step into that Andrews or Kelsey tier. And the answer to that we can find pretty easily here by just scaling him up from an 18% target share to a 22% target share, which would be an increase of 2% from where he finished last year. If we did that, we would still see George Kittle be the tight end three. And that would be a, with a pretty significant margin behind uh, Mark Andrews. So I think that Kittle is appropriately priced this year with where I'm seeing him go in terms of ADP, generally somewhere around tight end four, tight end five, occasionally tight end three. I think his ADP makes sense. 
And as far as the wide receivers go, I'm not sure that there's too much upside there. And I actually think that Ayuk carries more upside in a larger range of outcomes here than Debo Samuel does. So I think that's a useful exercise to contextualize some of these players' high-level thoughts on San Francisco. To me, Christian McCaffrey's the RB1. There really isn't much of a question about it. He even has some upside on top of being the RB1 because it is possible that he could end up being the RB1 by such a sizable portion and honestly could probably compete with the likes of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase this year if things do break right for him and perhaps they don't reach quite the ceiling uh, of potential that they could have. The wide receivers I'm not too jazzed about. Um, definitely won't be going for either of these guys over ADP, and Kittle's spot makes sense. So when we round up for another projections episode next time, We'll be talking about Seattle and Pittsburgh. As always, appreciate you stopping by, and we will talk to you again later this week. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 